we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, uh, continuing where we left off last week. But before I do that, I think if I don't, if I wait to the end of the service to address this, it's going to be in my mind the whole time. I'm not going to be able to think about anything else. And so, um, this may be weird for some of you, um, but um, sometimes God seems to highlight specific things he wants to do or, you know, to heal and so this morning, is there anyone here that um, I'm, has pain in their left elbow specifically? And I'm not really a, completely sure if it's just, just pain in the left elbow or if it's like also like, um, how do you describe it? Like a, not a numbness, but a uh, tingly maybe, uh, some neuropathy, that type of thing uh, in your fingers or down your arm. Is there anyone like struggling with either one of those this morning? Left elbow? We got one in the back. That's sweet. Anyone else? Yeah, over here. Cool. Anybody else? For the neuropathy deal? Just two of you? Yeah, that was the same. Right, two? Can you raise your hand real high? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but it's just easier to pray for you when we know who you are. Um, cool. Um, let's do this then. This is only two of you. All right. Let's, um, yeah. You don't need me to pray. You guys around them. So, could you raise your hand again if that's you? Got like left elbow pain, neuropathy, nerve stuff, or down this arm, either one. Just raise your hand. If you're close to them, could you just lay hands on them and uh, just pray over them out loud right now? And the rest of you guys can just pray out loud for them too. All right? Cool. Go ahead. Amen. So if those of you that were prayed for, do you notice any difference? Any, any, any better from any of you? I don't mind trying to put you on the spot and make you like make something happen or trying to like gin up emotion in you, but I also think it's a good opportunity if the Lord's doing something to give him a, to just to be aware of that the, what the Lord's doing. What's woo mean? Come on, seriously? You couldn't, you couldn't feel him before? You can feel him now. Come on, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I know sometimes it's like, oh, it's so showy. Well, I mean, Jesus does miraculous stuff, right? And so we want to give him space to do that and give him praise. So let's, let's just praise the Lord for that. Hey, uh, what was your name? Maddie, Maddie sweet. Um, hey, God, thanks for healing Maddie's elbow and um, just the, the, the uh, restoring of the um, feeling in her hand. I mean, you are so gracious, God, so compassionate. You care about our bodies and you care about our... All, every part of us. Oh my goodness, God, you are just, just showering us with mercy and grace. Oh. <sighs> like to some, that may not seem like a big deal. It's just not being able to feel things in your finger. But like what, what a sign and, and just a remembrance, God, that you see us and you know us. That you care about us, God, that you, you provide for us. Thank you for the glimpse this morning of the resurrection that you are alive. You are seated on the throne and you are powerful. Wow, God, you're incredible. We give this all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise to you because you alone 
to do this work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, cool. So, um, so this morning, I, I actually want to talk about out of 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of our bodies. Which, I mean, honestly, like God healing that was sweet because it's a reminder of, um, of the fact that God cares about our bodies. I think sometimes in our culture, we tend to downplay the physical and just say, well, the spiritual, that's the important stuff. The physical, who really cares about all that stuff? But like, I mean, we had two testimonies this morning of God caring about our physical bodies and dealing with us physically. I mean, that's pretty awesome. But here's the thing about that. Like, even Lisa this morning getting her back healed and Maddie getting her hand, arm healed. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, in, eventually our bodies, are, their bodies and our, all our bodies are still going to wear out and we're all going to die, right? I don't mean to be like Debbie Downer, but that, that's just the way it is, right? Like, God heals and restores, but at the end of the day, we are all going to experience physical death in, unless Jesus comes back in, in our lifetime, which, yeah, that's definitely a possibility, right? So I want to talk about the, the bodily resurrection, our bodily resurrection, which is what's going to take place when Christ returns. And uh, like us, probably, the church in Corinth had all kinds of questions about it, that they were like, oh, what about this, or this doesn't make sense. It's kind of weird. How is this all going to work? And so this is what Paul says in light of that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised, uh, was, what is, raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural as a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a life-giving, a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those, uh, those who are of the dust, as is the man of heaven so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Okay, stop for a second. He's using sometimes, it can seem like confusing language, like what in the world is Paul talking about here? It, they're having this, un, this, I don't know if it's a disagreement, they just had a lot of questions of, okay, this resurrection deal seems a little weird. How is this going to take place? How is this going to be a, a body that we're going to have at the resurrection? He's like, listen, it's not outside of God's possibility or ability to clothe us with something different than we currently have. He's like, look around. Animals are clothed with one type of thing and body and the, the plants another. And look at even in the heavens, even the stars, the moon, the sun, all that are clothed with different things that radiate God's glory, God's, God's character. So he's saying it's, it's not a, a big deal to, 
to, to think that God could do this. And so he's saying it is going to, in fact, take place. And, and when that happens, it says that we have been, down in verse 49, just as we have borne the image of man of dust, the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. He's talking about there is a day when we will fully bear the image of God. Okay, so what does this mean? Um, typically, if you go to a funeral, we talk about that person being present with Jesus, right? They're in heaven, isn't that great? Now, don't get me wrong. That is awesome. It is true that when we die, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ and repented of sin, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, it is true, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, to be away from the body, to be absent from the body, is to be present with Christ. Ah, praise the Lord for that, right? I have loved ones that I can rejoice and celebrate that my dad, my dad's dad, are in the heavenly realm with Jesus as we speak. Praise the Lord. But here's the thing. We often stop at it, uh, stop and thinking about it from there. But that is not our eternal resting place. In fact, there's an author called Tom Wright, and he talks about this term, life after life after death. And he talks about the importance of the resurrection. And what will take place is that when the Father says, it's go time, he sends Jesus back, and there will be a trumpets will sound. And when the last trumpet sounds, it's going to be awesome because our true king is going to come back. And when this true king comes back, he's going to wipe away wickedness. He's going to wipe away death. He's going to wipe away his disease and sickness. He's going to wipe away sin and the effects of sin. And when that takes place, he's not just going to whisk our souls away in heaven what the bible says is going to take place in revelation chapter 21 and 22 is that a heavenly city is going to come down from heaven and come and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and for us to inhabit this new heaven and new earth it says that we will receive a resurrected and renewed body the body we receive at that time, is not simply a spiritual body. It's spiritual, but that does not negate the fact that it is very physical. Think about this. If God thought the physical was such a bad thing, why did he create Adam and Eve prior to sin to have physical bodies? God created us physical being. The problem isn't the physical. The problem is that the physical has been broken and corrupted because of sin. That's what needs to be repaired. And here's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the, the, we talked about last week that we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, our spirit is made new. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And at this very moment, we are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. Our spirit is connected with him at this very moment. Our spirit dwells in the heavenly realm as we speak. Now, that's incredible because it connects us to the giver of life, the creator of the universe, God himself. But we are in this process the Bible calls sanctification of becoming more like Christ, where he begins shaping our soul to look more like Jesus, our mind, our will, our emotions, to reflect more of Christ, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentle, self-control, etc., to think more like Jesus. That is a process that continues, but it doesn't take much to look around and say, man, these bodies are pretty jacked up and are decaying, right? God isn't about simply restoring two-thirds of who we are. We have the promise of what is going to be restored is, yes, our spirit, yes, our soul, but also our body. Because this body has to be redone to be able to inhabit and dwell a new kingdom. In verse 50 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. God is going to come back. When Jesus comes back as the king, he's establishing his kingdom, his kingship. And it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where we get to dwell in his presence. But he is 
making us ready and preparing us to have a body that can last for eternity to spend that in worship of him. Think about it. If, if it's just our normal, natural bodies, then we don't get to we'll still experience that death in, into eternity, which is not possible for what he's calling us to. So he's giving us a renewed and new body that it says in Revelation chapter 20 that these bodies are no longer going to experience death. They're not going to experience decay. They're not going to experience suffering or sickness. They're not going to experience pain. Oh, goodness gracious, it's going to be awesome. But here's the thing, I, I think, if we're not careful, what we talk about doing, right, is, is well, hey, when, when Christ returns, there will be a day of judgment. The day of judgment will stand before the Lord and give an account for the things we've done, and when that takes place, our spirit will be uh, connected again with a resurrected body, and we will be with him in a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity. But what happens in that so often in our culture in America is because we're very self-centered, very individualistic. We make the new heaven and the new earth, we make it all about us. So it's like, I can't wait to be with him because I like playing golf, so I'm going to play golf for eternity. Right? Here's the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of eternity with God is not that we get to do whatever we want. The beauty of eternal life is that we get to know him for eternity. I mean, John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that we would know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. The beauty of eternal life is, yes, we're going to have a renewed body that does not decay, does not get broken down, does not experience hurt. Yes, there's no more sin, no more evil, no more wickedness, no more injustice, no more poverty. None of that stuff. It's going to be wiped away. Hallelujah. But the beauty of it is, is because we get a relationship that is restored to God himself, both now and into eternity so think about this if eternity is not ultimately about us yes there's benefits to us absolutely but think about this the promise is that we will know him and we will see him face to face. Revelation chapter 22 talks about this city with the throne and the, the river coming out of the throne. And there's going to be 12 um, trees with light, uh, from the leaves will be healing for the nations. And then it says, and we will see God's face and his name will be on our foreheads. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, verse 12. For now we see dimly in a mirror. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, talking about Christ's return, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Like he's saying, I, I get it now, like when our spirit has been united with Christ, when we have that relationship that's been restored in the spirit, we get to know God and be known by him. Even now, on our best day, we only get to know God in part. And there's part of things we don't maybe believe completely accurately, we don't completely understand. We only get a picture and a glimpse of him. He's saying, that's absolutely true. In this life, in this present age, we can only know God partly, in just a little snippet. And isn't it amazing? I, I don't want to downplay that because, right, isn't it amazing when we get this fresh revelation about who God is, when we get this little nugget about who God is, it's like, oh my goodness, come on, right? It's all oh, his grace. Oh, it's so good, man. It's, 
it's even these little glimpses, this little taste. We are overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord. And he's saying, oh, but even now, it is simply just a glimpse. It is not even remotely close to what it's going to be like that day when we stand before him and we will see him face to face. And here's the cool thing about that. We're not just going to stand before him face to face in a spiritual sense. Yes, that's true. Our spirit will be connected to him through the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, we'll know him on that level. We'll know him as we think without sin and defect. And we'll think about him appropriately and perfectly and reflect back to him the character of Jesus that has been instilled and grown within us that goes back to him. Think about that connection. But it's not only that. Because it is our bodies in a physical sense that will stand before him and see him face to face. And we will get to know him not just emotionally, not just mentally, not just spiritually, but also physically as well. Our entire beings will get to be captured and captivated by the beauty and the glory and the splendor of Jesus. Jesus Christ himself when he returns. Think about this. Some of you, um, some of you maybe have met your significant other like online uh, dating. And when you, you get the match, right, there's this, there's this excitement, but you start just to get to know them c- communicating electronically. It's like, all right, this is pretty cool. Maybe I'll let you, I'll text you now. You can have my number. You start texting each other. And then all of a sudden you make this step and you start calling each other and start talking on the phone. And each phase of the way you're like, man, I feel like I'm getting to know you more. Because now it's not just electronically. Now, now it's not just through words uh, over a computer. It's now actually I get to hear your voice and you get to hear mine. And we get to grow on a deeper level by experiencing the voice and communication and intona- intonation and inflection in our voice. But then something really begins to change when you decide we're going to meet for the very first time and you get to begin to be connected on a physical level as well. And all of those growing and deeper and intimacy of getting to know each other more fully and completely for who you are, right? That's the way it is with the Lord. He is restoring us and renewing us so that we get to have a deep relationship with him for eternity in every part of who we are. Here's the amazing thing too. When that day comes, it is going to reflect the glory and the character of God. And we are going to get to know him in, um, how do I put this? Sometimes I think we're afraid of standing before the Lord because of incredible shame. But when you stand before the Lord, if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, there's no room for shame. There's no shame. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And in fact, I think what's going to take place is we are going to know the grace and the extravagant love of the Lord in ways that we can't even comprehend when we stand before him. Because when we see what he's going to make us into, we're going to look at him and go, I can't believe you do this to me, such a sinner. And we are going to see the extravagance of his grace and love towards us. I mean, think about this, right? Adam and Eve were created perfectly, but they didn't understand some of the character of God like we will when we see Jesus face to face. They they didn't get to understand Jesus as rescuer because they didn't have a need prior to sin to being rescued. They didn't understand Jesus as redeemer because they didn't have a need for that. or, Or forgiver because they didn't have a need for that prior to sin. Like when we stand before Jesus face to face and we see our renewed and restored body in ourselves and one another, we're gonna like, Man, Jesus, we were so jacked up. Look at your grace and extravagance that you didn't just simply forgive us of sin, that you have completely restored and given us a new body and brought us into a deep relationship with you in every part of who we are. It's going to cause us to know him more fully and in turn worship him more truly. 
The beauty, too, when, when Christ returns, we have a new body, is... It seems like... I want to just pray real quick. Feels like the wrong step, Lord. So would you just confirm or uh, redirect? Amen. So there's this promise in the book of Habakkuk 2 verse 14 and it says... And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth as the water covers the sea. Think, just think about that. It's like, yeah, okay, the glory of the Lord, that's nice. No, no, stop, stop. Think about that for a minute. Oh, good, that is up there. There is a promise that the glory, the character, the knowledge, understand the beauty, the radiance, the weight of who God is will be revealed to the entire universe. And the way that God chooses to do that, yes, in part, is directly through him and how he acts. But one of the ways that the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed is through us and how he treats us at the end of the age. Ephesians chapter 2, when it talks about that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly realm at the right hand of the Father. You know what? I'm just going to read this. I don't want to quote this wrong. This won't be on the board. Let's start, I don't know, Ephesians 2, verse 4. That sounds good. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us, us with, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that, get this, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Stop for a second. When Jesus Christ returns and he lavishes us with grace and he does not give us what we deserve for our sins and restores us in a renewed body and gives us a new heaven and a new earth to be with him and know him face to face and to worship him. When we don't receive the, the punishment that we deserve of hell and we get to be with him for eternity in a new heaven and a new earth, that is to be put on display. He says he's united us with Christ in the heavenly realm so that in the coming age he might, be, he might put on, on display in us this extravagant, this immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. When Jesus returns and he shows us grace, it is not just to be for us to receive that grace, which hallelujah it will, but he is going to put his grace, his character of compassion, his character of mercy, his character of forgiveness, he's going to put that on display, not just for us, but I believe he's going to put it on for the entire cosmos, the new heavens and the new earth, that the fallen angels and his angels are going to get to see the character of his expansive mercy and compassion as he lavishes it upon us that day. Jesus restoring us isn't simply so that we, can't, we don't have to experience pain in heaven for eternity. Jesus is restoring our bodies. 
as an example of his grace, of his mercy, of his compassion to us and to put on display for the entire universe. Through God's mercy that he's offering and extending towards us, his glory, his character, his compassion, his mercy not only fills us, but it fills all of creation. That's why I know it's hard this morning. Some of you are in like really terrible situations. Some of you are like, oh, this life is just hard. Some of you are in like really hopeless situations. That's why, uh, I'm just going to read it for you. This is Paul's encouragement to you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 6, I think. Let's do verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted ugh, in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, yeah. But not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith According to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So... We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. I mean, Paul gets this, right? He said, yes, we have hope. Yes, it's true that our bodies will be resurrected, but in the meantime, we're in this place of pain. We're in this place of suffering. We're in the place of being beaten down. He said, like, our bodies are being given over to death time and time and time again. And, and, but he's saying, 
don't lose heart because in the meantime, while our outer selves are being wasted away, our inner self is being renewed day by day by day by day. And the work that the Spirit is doing in our heart, drawing us closer to Him, making us more like Christ, the Holy Spirit is a down payment, is a depositor, is a guarantee of what is to come, that this life is not our home, this world is not our home, this life here on earth in this present current age is just a blip on the radar, and there will be a day when Christ will return, the dead will be raised, that last trumpet will sound, and not all of us may die, because if Christ comes today, uh, we will not necessarily die first, but we will all be transformed, that we will all be changed, and we will be with him in a new heaven, in a new earth, where we will see him face to face, body, soul, and spirit, and we will know him deeply and intimately, and we will worship him, and we will worship him. So do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, Moran Park. He has promised to come back. And he always fulfills his promises. Let's pray. God, we can stand confidently today that you will return. We will return. And God, we cannot wait for that day. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come, come, come quickly. We long for the day, Lord, that we get to experience you and know you fully and completely. Oh, but God, until that day comes, we trust that you are renewing us from the inside, that you are giving us what we need to withstand, to hold be steadfast in this walk. God, we thank you for the, for the ways that we do get to know you in part. Thank you for the ways that you do reveal yourself to us this morning. I pray, God, for a fresh revelation of who you are, fresh revelation of the hope of the gospel this morning. We long for the day that we can be with you and see you face to face. But until then, God, we continue to seek after you, to know you, to grow in depth of knowledge and understanding of you, God. God, would you give us the gift of hope this morning? God, as you are increasing our faith, we too ask for hope that you would increase it. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the first fruits of the resurrection, that what you've done in your bodily resurrection, that you, Jesus, had come back in a, in, a, in a new body, an eternal heavenly body, just as it happened for you, because we are seated in you, we are connected with you, that we can stand confidently that what the Father has done through the Spirit for you, that that will also happen for us. Thank you, God, for the reminder of the joy of the resurrection, the promise of the resurrection. In the midst of the suffering and the hurt and the pain that we experience in our bodies, God, and we do thank you, God, for the glimpse of, of relief and healing that you give us in that. But ultimately, we know, Lord Jesus, we long for the day when all will be restored. We long for the day of total and complete justice and righteousness, peace and wholeness. joy in the full revealing of our inheritance as sons and daughters in salvation. We pray this all in Jesus' glorious name this morning. Amen.